Hello, friend. This is Evangelist Mike McCurry, your host. Thank you so much for being a part of our listening audience today. I'd like to ask you, if you would, to grab your Bible. We are going to return to 1 Kings chapter 17. If you're unfamiliar with this subject matter that we have been dwelling on for the last week or so, it can be summed up with these two words. Something's missing. Something's missing. And our goal through this study of the life of Elijah for just a few more days is to find that something that's missing. 1 Kings 17, join me there if you would. On behalf of my wife and my family, I'd like to say thank you so much for your support, both prayerfully and financially, of Bible Tracks Incorporated. We had the opportunity not long ago to drive to a distant state as a family and myself, my wife, my two little girls, and we got to be a part of a large gospel effort. We saw over 100 people profess to know Christ as a result of the services that occurred that day. And we're so excited for the fact that you are partners with us, co-laborers with us for the gospel's sake, not only on the evangelism trail, but also in my position as the executive director of Bible Tracks Incorporated. It truly means so much to us that you would partner with us that way. I take the opportunity when I'm able to call those folks that are so kind to donate to us financially or even just use our tracks and let them know how much they mean to us. And I'd love to correspond with you as well. If you're unfamiliar with Bible tracks and maybe you have a question about who we are, what we do, I can sum that up in short in just a moment and give you a short biography of our ministry. But I'd love to hear from you personally. I'd love for you to text me if you would, 309-316-7240. Again, that's 309 309- 316-7240. As to who we are, this ministry of Bible Tracks Incorporated, of course, was founded by evangelist Paul Levine some 80-odd years ago. And to God be the glory, we've put out over half a billion, that's half a billion with a B, half a billion gospel tracks all over the world. There's a map as you walk into our offices and someone drew my attention back to it. We had someone visiting for just a moment and said, look at all those countries. And I I saw it with fresh eyes for just a moment saw over 170 different countries. They each had a little pin or a little sticker there denoting that we've sent tracks there. I saw that map being a little bit older. It's been there for a few years, but it said that we've sent over 7 million gospel tracks into the country of Russia alone. Friend, there's so much more to do still, though, and we're proud that we get to do it alongside you. If you're unfamiliar with our ministry, or maybe you have not received gospel tracts from us in a while and you need a resupply, or the Lord is pricking your heart and you know that you need to start using gospel tracts more often. Had the chance today to give out a gospel track to someone coming through our offices once again, and I'd love for you to take part in what God can do through your life, your ministry. Your impact oftentimes is only inhibited by your imagination. I'll say that one more time. Your impact, your impact, not your friends, not your mother, not your father, not your son, not your daughters. No friend, your impact is only inhibited by your imagination. So let me ask you to do this. Visit our website, BibleTracksInc.org. See friend, you're without excuse because we are giving away our gospel tracks completely free. BibleTracksInc.org, we don't even charge for 
this shipping. If you have more questions or you'd like to correspond with me directly, please feel free. I will answer you 309-316-7240. In the meanwhile, though, turn to the book of 1 Kings chapter 17. Of course, we have been conversing about this man named Elijah. 1 Kings 17 is our very first introduction to this amazing godly man, and I'm excited to continue, and Lord willing, tomorrow we will conclude our study. But today, as a bridge to the last study, I'd like to bring to your attention 1 Kings 17, and let's look at verse number 17 for just a moment. And it came to pass after these things. Now, what things are we talking about? Very quickly, by way of review, Elijah went into Ahab, the wicked king's throne room, and told him there would be a drought in the land. From there, God led Elijah to the brook Cherith, where he was literally fed by ravens. And once that brook dried up due to the drought that was upon the land, God then led him to the widow of Zarephath, who was on the brink of starvation. She and her son were about to die of hunger because they had one last meal left. And God allowed Elijah to come to the rescue at just the right moment. And they spent time together, this man and uh, the widow of Zarephath and her son. And Elijah lived up in a loft there in her home for a time during this famine, this drought on the land. And then we find ourselves in verse 17. I just gave you the short Reader's Digest version. And it came to pass after these things. That the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? Well, obviously, this is the result of a grief-stricken lady somewhat losing her bearings, not sure which end is up. She seems to have lost everything that she ever lived for. Really, that was all encapsulated by her son, and her son is now dead. Verse number 19, he said unto her, give me thy son, and I'll give you the cliff note version here. Elijah raised this woman's son from the dead. Verse number 22, and the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, Now, N-O-W, now by this, I know that thou art a man of God, and that what? The word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. Now, by way of practical application, I made mention of yesterday that word now. You see, friend, it was not before that the woman realized that the word of the Lord in his mouth was truth, but it was now. And here's what I'd like to draw out of this fact. Social good, giving people a ham sandwich or working in a soup kitchen or being a part of their lives in that way is nothing to be ashamed of by any stretch of the imagination. Those are excellent things to do. But can I tell you, if you do those things without an attachment and a greater purpose of a spiritual good being done, then in eternity's view you could make the case that what has been done is worth less. Now, I don't mean to say that it's worth nothing, but it's worth less than it could be. Friend, we have an opportunity 
to impact a lost and dying world for the gospel's sake. But oftentimes all we do, figuratively speaking, is fill people's bellies like Elijah did in verses 8 through 16. Was the woman appreciative and thankful for the fact that she and her son were kept alive by the work of that miracle, the barrel of meal that wasted not, and the cruise of oil that did not fail? Oh, absolutely, and she should have been. But it did not have the impact. It did not really impress upon her the seriousness, the truthfulness, the sincerity of reality until her son was brought back to life. Let me illustrate this. We could turn back to the book of Exodus 7, 8, 9, somewhere in there, and find the account of Moses pronouncing plagues upon the people of Egypt. Do you recall that? There were how many plagues in all? There were 10 of them. You got that right. 10 plagues. The very first one was what? Turning the river red as unto blood, right? He turned every water source to blood. Well, that's a pretty awe-inspiring miracle. That's what Moses did right in front of the eyes of Pharaoh. But what happened immediately after that? Well, the scribes, the magicians, the soothsayers of Egypt found some water that had not been turned into blood, and they brought it to Pharaoh. And in their own way, whether they used food coloring or some sort of sorcery, they turned that water also into blood, kind of in a, well, you can do it and so can we type of uh, gesture to Moses. And therefore, Pharaoh kind of looked down on the miracle, even though that was a very awe-inspiring, a very massive miracle, I guess you could say, to turn an entire river red as unto blood. What happened next? Well, when Pharaoh hardened his heart, God saw fit through the power of himself and through his vessel, Moses, saw fit to release frogs upon the entire land of Egypt. Now, this has always befuddled me, but as these frogs are bounding around, jumping around, the magicians of Egypt feel the need to prove that they can do the same, and they somehow procure frogs by some magic or sleight of hand. They do the exact same thing. Now, the first question that kind of confuses me is this. Why did they feel the need to produce more frogs. I would think thousands upon thousands of frogs would be enough, but they decided they wanted to show their mettle. They wanted to show their ability and their power. And so they not only could produce red water or blood, but they could also produce frogs. Well, that seems somewhat impressive. And I don't even say that sarcastically. The fact that these magicians could produce frogs on demand That gives me a little bit of pause. That's interesting. And Pharaoh was impressed himself enough to harden his heart one more time and not release the children of Israel. But here's where it gets interesting. You see, after the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth plague, and then we get to the tenth plague, something interesting happens. God sends the angel of death upon the people of Egypt. And you recall the Passover lamb, the blood had to be spilt and then spread upon the doorposts of the house. And the death angel would pass over those homes for whom a sacrifice had been made. The Egyptians did not do so. And therefore, the firstborn sons died. What's very interesting to me is this. It was crickets from the magicians of Egypt. They 
could not duplicate that miracle. They could not duplicate that circumstance. You see, friend, here's why. Only Jehovah God has power over life and death. We can do amazing things in and of our own intellect, our own charisma, our own personalities, our own vim and vigor. We can do things as humanity, as mankind that boggle our minds. But at the end of the day, life is but a vapor and every breath is a gift from God. The sooner we start remembering that, the better off we will be. Can I tell you, friend, that woman, the widow of Zarephath, she said, now by this I know, because a full belly does not equate to power over life and death. We're going to conclude this study tomorrow. Please don't go anywhere. Join us again on the Bible Checked Echoes radio broadcast. God bless. Thank you for joining us today for Bible Tract Echoes, a ministry of Bible Tracks Incorporated. If you would like to receive a free sample packet of all of our tracks, you can contact us by calling 309-828-6888. That's 309-828-6888. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 188, Bloomington, Illinois, 61702. A faster way to contact us is to go to our website at BibleTracksInc.org. That's BibleTracksInc.org. There you will find more information about our ministry and details on how you can support Bible Tracks Incorporated. Thanks for listening, and may the Lord richly bless you as you serve Him.